When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Real Birth Podcast, the show where real parents share real birth stories and get really honest about how it went. You might be a first-time expectant parent, or on your eighth baby. Perhaps you're a birth worker, or maybe you just love learning about birth. Whoever you are, you are welcome here. This podcast aims to educate and empower listeners through the real stories of mums and dads. I'm Lucy Hill. I'm a doula, a mum of a toddler, and a complete birth nerd. Join me as I invite all kinds of parents to share their stories of pregnancy, birth, and beyond. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of The Real Birth Podcast. I'm Lucy Hill, and I'm so excited that you are listening to this podcast with me today. It's something that I've dreamed of for a really long time, and I could not be more thrilled to get started. Listening to birth stories was a huge part of my pregnancy. Um, Even before I fell pregnant with my son, I absolutely love listening to how each birth story can be so completely different. The different types of people experiencing birth how the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs just completely shape everything about who we are um, and just play such a massive role in our lives after we've had our children. It's also a really wonderful opportunity to educate yourself. I found that the more I listened to birth stories, the more open I was to every kind of birth experience. And I'm completely convinced that when my birth came around, the fact that it didn't go to plan, I felt completely calm and reassured that I'd heard it all before. Birth doesn't always go the way that we want it to go or hope that it might go. But through learning all the different kinds of experience that other people have gone through, we can open our minds to what is possible and we can prepare for every eventuality. It's also just really lovely to tell our birth stories as well. There's something really wonderful about sitting down, processing what's happened to us um, and sharing that deeply personal story with people who we know are not going to judge us and who are just going to listen and support us. Ultimately, that's what I want this podcast to be. I want people to feel safe and comfortable and happy sharing their stories. And I want a community of people to be able to gather together to support those people, whether they've had a positive experience or an experience that they that didn't go as exactly as they hoped. So how it's going to work, I'm going to sit down with a different guest each week. I'm going to invite them to share absolutely everything that they want to share. This is going to be a largely unedited podcast um, and we're just going to talk about their birth. I would love it if you could join me each week. I figured that the best place to start would probably be with my own birth story. So here goes. So as I mentioned, my name is Lucy. I'm a doula and I work for a local charity as well, supporting um, pregnant people and new families. And I live in Froome in Somerset with my husband, Mike, and my son, Rufus, who has just turned two in September, just gone. And uh, we have a dog called Lolly. 
Um, yeah, so when we first decided that we would like to think about having children, we'd been married for a couple of years. And actually, we sort of had this tentative conversation about maybe trying for a baby in six months time ish. Um, and then we ended up going on holiday a couple of months later and throwing caution to the wind and completely madly and unexpectedly fell pregnant from basically the first try, which is incredibly, um, incredibly lucky. That pregnancy initially was absolutely fine and we'd had our first scan and we saw a little heartbeat and that was at around about seven weeks. Um, But unfortunately, when I was around 11 weeks pregnant, I had some heavy bleeding and um, that pregnancy that ended in a miscarriage, which was, to be honest with you, probably one of the most life-changing moments of my life. I just had no concept and no realisation of how physical and traumatic and difficult losing a pregnancy could be. We were obviously in our first trimester and pregnancy loss is more common, but I think we just had this mentality that we were young and healthy and we got pregnant on our first go, so, you know, nothing could go wrong. So that was really hard, um, really devastating. And it was probably about four or five months later that we kind of thought, okay, we are ready to to give this another shot. But there was such a different vibe around trying to have a baby this time because we sort of had a much bigger concept and realisation of what could go wrong. So it was a lot more intentional, but it was filled with a lot more trepidation and fear. It was a very different experience. I think we felt like something had been taken away from us, the kind of joy and spontaneity of it all. But nonetheless, we were we were sure. Now we knew that this is definitely what we wanted. We knew what we had because we'd experienced that loss. And then rather um, annoyingly, it actually took us a really long time to conceive our son. So it probably took us around about 11 cycles. So um, my periods have always been pretty regular and I track my ovulation. So I was certain that, you know, health wise, there was nothing sinister going on. But for whatever reason, it ended up taking us the best part of a year to to get pregnant again. And um, yeah, I remember the day that we actually found out that I was pregnant. It was um, it was the 23rd of December because we were about to drive up to my husband's parents for Christmas. And we just thought, OK, let's do another test, get it out of the way, get the negative result out of the way again. And then we'll be able to have a nice big boozy Christmas with loads of cheese and wine and, you know, things that you shouldn't really do when you're pregnant. Um, so I just peed on the stick and put it in the bathroom and just kind of walked away and we started packing and doing our bags and stuff and then um my husband Mike he went into the bathroom to get something and he just I just heard this (gasps) noise come from the bathroom and I ran in and he was just holding this stick that had two very very big pink lines and we just could not believe it um I think at first it took us a really long time to actually accept that something was happening because all of those emotions came rushing back of, oh my goodness, you know, what if something goes wrong again? But we were, we were lucky and everything seemed to be absolutely fine. Um, I had kind of, I had a bit of sickness. I felt a bit rubbish for a while. Um, but as soon as I got to around about 13 or 14 weeks, I started to feel a lot better. We did decide to go for a private scan when I was about nine weeks along just to kind of abate some of those fears that were cropping up in my mind of you know are we going to be facing another pregnancy loss here but everything looked absolutely brilliant 
that 12 week scan was amazing and then basically I had a, a pretty pretty good pregnancy from there I had quite a lot of discomfort and um quite a lot of pelvic pain back pain and I remember having to do a lot of kind of on all fours my husband hip squeezing bouncing on a ball not being able to sit particularly comfortably on a sofa that kind of thing um the other thing that I would say about my pregnancy is I found it quite emotionally weird I found it quite difficult to kind of connect with the fact that there was a little person inside me um we decided not to find out the sex of the baby so there was a part of me that just couldn't really envisage who this person was and who they were going to be but I really did love that kind of glorious second trimester of pregnancy where you look radiant and you've got a lovely bump and everyone tells you how gorgeous you look um and yeah I just really I really enjoyed it So in terms of kind of the care that we had chosen for um, for our kind of pregnancy, obviously being in the UK, we have the amazing NHS. So we were immediately referred to the local um, midwives who work at Froome Birthing Centre. And we had a wonderful midwife um, called Geraldine, who we loved and our appointments were pretty standard it was just things like um urine samples and blood tests just to make sure that everything was looking okay and I think everything was absolutely textbook to be honest with you the only thing that kind of came up at appointments was that my blood pressure was a little bit higher at each appointment I don't think it ever got to a point where it was worrying but it just it crept up a little bit so we just sort of kept an eye on that but it was never a problem the other thing that I did kind of for for myself and what we decided to do as a couple was we decided to do some hypnobirthing I'd always been quite interested in alternative methods of kind of pain management relaxation and my attitude was kind of I'm not completely anti-intervention I'm not um, anti-medicalization of birth if it's really necessary but I was you know low risk young healthy so I really felt like my body could do this and so I decided to kind of explore every avenue that I could to ensure that I had the best birth for me and for my baby and to me personally that was um, a birth that had as few interventions as possible. The hypnobirthing that we did we just did an online course which we um, did kind of like a series of videos and that was really helpful it was really nice to sit down with my husband and both of us do that together because it gave him a really clear idea of how he could be a support to me in birth. The other thing I did, which has subsequently kind of led to a career change for me, is I um, looked into hiring a doula. Through listening to a million birth stories, I quickly learned that actually having a doula can be something hugely powerful for people who just feel like they want that extra bit of support in the birth room. They need a cheerleader, basically. I think for me, I felt like, you know, we are living in an age now where there isn't that kind of group of women who would come with you to a birth, um, who would support you with breastfeeding, you know, that that kind of tribe that, that maybe our ancestors would have had. Um, and learning more and more about the doula role, it just felt so right to me to have somebody whose sole purpose and sole job was to kind of hold that space for me and my partner and just help us to get exactly what we needed um, just through kind of teaching us what our options were and advocating for us and just 
just kind of being a listening ear for us as well. So we hired a a brilliant doula called Kaz, who was our NCT teacher as well. Um, we did NCT and are really, really thankful that we did because we are still super close with um, all of the people that we met on that on that course and feel very lucky to have done it. The only other thing I would would mention that I did in my pregnancy was I saw a chiropractor. I saw a chiropractor kind of every few weeks, every couple of weeks. And that was for me something that I wanted to do because I kind of have suffered with back pain and kind of misalignment issues every now and again throughout my life anyway. And I knew that the best possible outcome for my baby was for he or she to be in an absolutely optimal position. So what I ideally wanted was a head down baby, um, you know, not sunny side up, so facing my back and um, just in a really good position to come out. And seeing a chiropractor was one of the ways in which I wanted to get myself, you know, properly aligned just to make sure that nothing was was kind of out of place from my side to kind of give baby the best chance of being in a good position. So, yeah, we'd got our hypnobirthing sorted. We'd got our doula. We'd, um, you know, learned lots of things through our NCT and found kind of a support community, which was which was brilliant. So we just had to wait for baby to arrive. Those last few weeks were a bit difficult, I would say. Um, It was one of the biggest heat waves of the year. So my baby was born on the 3rd of September. So the, the whole of August in 2019 was just sweltering. I spent most of those last few weeks in a cold bath. I couldn't actually lie down in the bath, so I just had a series of jugs and uh, would just pour cold water all over my back. Um, so that was that was a pretty boring few weeks. But I was absolutely convinced that I was going to go overdue. I know that first time baby is, I think, on average 11 days overdue and I say overdue with inverted commas you can't see me doing that but you know one of the most important things that I've learned through the last few years is that a due date is just a guess babies will come when they're ready when they're cooked and um, a kind of a, a normal and healthy pregnancy can be anywhere from 37 to 42 weeks and 42 weeks and beyond dates aren't always right because often you know we're calculating things based on menstrual periods or scans that are taking absolutely minute uh, measurements so anyway I was not too fixated on my due date um, which was apparently the 30th of August but uh, yeah so I just kind of tried to ignore that and I thought look baby's going to be here in the next four weeks ish that's when I got to about 38 weeks it was actually I went for an appointment on my 40 weeks or 40 weeks in two days maybe, I went to an appointment with my midwife, which was kind of our, right, let's see how you're going appointment. And then I also had lunch with our doula. She came over and we just kind of thought, right, well, we'll sit down and go through our plans of what we're going to do and how it's going to go. Um, You know, when do we call you? All that kind of last minute information that we needed clearing up. And it was funny because that day I actually said to my doula, oh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm just sort of 40 weeks now. Do you have any sort of instinct, you know, when when is this going to happen? Obviously, nobody can really tell you when it's going to happen. But my doula sort of looked at me and said, I know this is weird, but I think I'm going to see you tonight. I think you're going to have your baby tonight. And obviously, I just like absolutely crap myself. But uh, yeah, we just decided, right, OK, we're nearly there. It's baby's going to be here within the next few weeks at, at the absolute most. So we decided we had already packed a hospital bag. We 
decided that we wanted to have a home birth we'd looked into all the options looked at all the kind of benefits and risks of every kind of birth and for me I felt like I was going to be most comfortable at home in my own surroundings I felt really confident in my hypnobirthing techniques and I knew that you know if I changed my mind at any point I could you know I could pack up and I could either go to the birth center which is five minutes away or to the hospital which is kind of about 30 minutes away so you know not not really really far away but um yeah so we decided on this home birth and so just in case though we had packed a hospital bag with all kind of creature comforts and the only thing that we had left to put in that bag was snacks and also you know even if we were at home or hospital we wanted a really good selection of snacks to keep Mike going keep me going um just because you never know how long it's going to be until you're going to get your next square meal so off we toddled and I mean I literally waddled and we went to Asda pootled around we kind of like filled our trolley up with everything that we needed uh, and then I thought right okay what's really really quick and easy uh, pot noodles so we went down and we saw the pot noodles and I remember my husband reached up to the top shelf and I reached up as if to kind of help him and as I lifted my arm and pulled my body upwards I just felt this absolutely unbelievable gush and I looked down and and my waters had broken and thank goodness I was wearing dungarees because if I hadn't I think that there would have been the biggest clean clean up in aisle four you have ever seen um they always tell you that your waters don't break dramatically like that like in a film you know in the supermarket in the middle of the day but for me they did so I, I just kind of tugged on my husband's arm and said um I think my waters are broken um and he said are you sure and I thought yes yes I'm sure <laughs> Um, I kind of know when I've wet myself and that definitely isn't this. So I ran and sort of tried not to slip over as I was running to the toilet because I knew that the most important thing was that my waters were clear um, or kind of have had a kind of gentle pink tinge to them. What I what I really desperately didn't want to see was any kind of meconium or, or kind of coloured liquid. And thankfully it was clear as anything. So I kind of came out the loo and my husband had this trolley and he said, well, shall I buy this stuff then? And I was just in such a, an excited panic. I was like, no, leave the trolley, leave the trolley. We have to go. Um, that's probably one of the only things I actually really regret because I really wanted those snacks and we never got them. So anyway, we kind of were kind of hysterically laughing at what had just happened. My husband dumped the trolley and said sorry I've got to go my wife's waters have just broken so we're off um some horrified looks from the staff and actually we'd heard that if your waters break in the supermarket and you have to rush off and have a baby that you get like free shopping but that's not true um few people have asked us that did ask to give you the shopping for free no they didn't um anyway so luckily we had some towels in the car because <laughs> in case of dog walk emergencies so I sat on these towels and we kind of came home um, and we phoned our doula, let her know that she she was right, that, you know, things were actually kicking off today. And we phoned the midwife and said, look, we've only, we were in your office about three hours ago, but waters have just broken. So, you know, just to let you know. Um, and they wanted us to go back in. So we went back in and they just kind of said they wanted to confirm that it definitely was my waters breaking. Um, I think we were all pretty certain that it was. It was just kind of a, a formality, really. So, yeah, it just kind of lay on the bed and my midwife just very very gently checked um the liquid that it was clear and that it was definitely amniotic fluid and nothing else I really appreciated the fact that I had put in my birth plan and my birth notes that 
I didn't really want any vaginal examinations unless it was like really, really necessary. I'd kind of done a lot of research into that. And for me, the kind of added risk of infection and things for kind of inserting things vaginally just didn't at that point in my labor process you know it hadn't even really kicked off I just didn't feel the need to have any sort of examination I thought you know I'm happy to wait so my midwife completely understood that so she just did a very kind of gentle almost external check to be honest with you and yep she said yep your waters are broken that's great go home relax um you know try and get some sleep if you can and let us know kind of in I think it was 12 hours she wanted us to kind of check back in because I know that sort of after 24 hours, 12 to 24 hours, they start to want to talk about inducing. Um, that's something that I really didn't want to have to do. So I just thought, right, I'm going to go home, get as relaxed as possible, oxytocin, oxytocin, um, which is the happy hormone. And that's what I really needed lots of in order to kickstart my labour naturally. Because <clears throat> at this point, my water's been broken for a couple of hours and I hadn't really had many, I hadn't had any real contractions. I just had a few kind of tightenings. So yeah, we just headed home and still kind of laughing a bit about the fact that this had just completely taken us all by surprise. And yeah, we decided that we would have a really big meal because we didn't know when the next time would be. So we we had um, fish and chips and then we just went for a little walk up and down the lane near our house just because walking and activity I know can kickstart things sometimes so we had the walk we ate ate some food and then I decided that I was going to have a bath to relax and actually it was during that time I remember actually loading the dishwasher just after dinner and that's when I started to feel my first contraction so it was probably about three hours from when my water broke about three o'clock in the afternoon and it was about six o'clock that I started to have contractions we so I, I had this bath and at that point just kind of out of interest I asked my husband to start timing when they were coming and they actually ramped up really quite quickly and they were manageable like I could absolutely breathe through them I was absolutely fine but they were coming every sort of four minutes sometimes three minutes pretty much from the get-go uh, so I wasn't I wasn't really expecting that I kind of thought that they would gradually you know go sort of maybe 10 minutes apart then eight minutes apart but no it was just kind of bam 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 every three minutes from the get-go and actually what they did is they just increased in intensity as as time passed so we kind of chilled out for a bit um I washed my hair and got into nice comfy clothes and and I just remember sitting on my the birthing ball kind of just bouncing gently rocking in the lounge and just being like as calm and as still as possible candles fairy lights all of that bit of hypnobirthing and it was just it was bliss it was just absolutely lovely um I was really genuinely quite looking forward to what was about to happen so it was probably about eight o'clock in the evening that I sort of asked if my doula would come because things were every three minutes every four minutes and they were starting to get to the point where I couldn't really talk to anyone. I was holding on to the door frame. I was kind of stood in the door frame, holding on and just rocking back and forth, holding on and just really kind of breathing through these contractions. Um, it got to probably about 10 or 11 o'clock. So my, my doula would come at about eight and my husband had set up the birthing pool, which we had rented, set that up in the lounge. And she was just kind of sat with me and I remember her just really encouraging me to rest just lots of deep deep rest so in between each contraction rather than feeling like I had to you know talk and 
make merry or take pictures or do whatever I just really really deeply rested and that was wonderful and definitely what I needed at the time it got to about midnight and things were getting to the point where I thought oh okay I'm gonna I'm gonna call the midwife now just to see what they recommend so I think I think it was my husband and my doula phoned the midwife and said that they thought things were progressing quite quickly and could somebody come out and they it took a little while but I think it was after about an hour or two a midwife arrived at about one o'clock what I would remember from around that time was I I had always heard that kind of doing visualizations to get through each each kind of surge or contraction was kind of a good thing to do but I had never actively practiced anything like that but in the moment it just it just happened and it's completely mad but when I was breathing in so the hypnobirthing I did was teaching me to breathe in for four and then out for eight and there's absolutely no rhyme or reason to this but when I was breathing in I was just I kept visualizing this dolphin I'm not even that into dolphins this dolphin was like on the in-breath, the dolphin was like jumping up into the air. And then as I was breathing out on my eight out breath, it was like pushing its way through the wave. So with my out breath, I was kind of like actively pushing against a force. And I don't know how or why, but that just massively helped me. And I would do it again in a heartbeat if I had to. Um, But it just came out of nowhere, which was quite funny. So the midwife came at about one o'clock and what was really funny was we had kind of created this atmosphere of complete calm and everyone was talking in very hushed voices and you know gentle music no one had really touched me I was just completely in my own zone it was incredibly peaceful and the midwife came along and bless her she was absolutely lovely but she walked in and she was like hi guys how's it going oh brilliant you know oh weather's been good today hasn't it and it was just like it was an absolute kind of knife through the environment and I think it took a couple of looks from people in the room um, from Mike and Modula to just be like can we bring it back down please <laughs> um so yeah that they they were brilliant at being kind of gatekeepers for me of of kind of keeping that environment very still and quiet and calm which is what I wanted another thing I forgot to mention is we had um we had a backup doula in case our doula couldn't come or for whatever reason and she was also a photographer so actually in the end we we actually asked her Sarah we actually asked her to attend the birth anyway in a in kind of her own capacity as a photographer because we really wanted to have some lovely images to keep forever of of the birth of our first baby so we're I'm so so glad that we asked her to come as well because we sort of had this two-for-one doula experience and you know some amazing pictures as well so it was a really beautiful birth team it was yeah my my essentially two doulas and my husband and me just we were just this team and we all knew exactly what we wanted um which was kind of a really lovely calm experience so I decided to get into the pool at about sort of two o'clock and I think I was in the pool for an hour or so it was really lovely but um you know things were still as intense but there was um not really a huge amount of movement at one point I do remember there was that moment that everyone talks about where you go from kind of having having these kind of surges and breathing through them or moaning through them to it changing to a moo 
and I remember the first time that I mooed because I looked up at everyone in the room, their eyes just got really wide and they all looked at each other and they were like, this is it, she's mooing. You know, this is the moment when things get real and real labour is happening and baby's going to be here soon. So the midwife, she was she was very encouraging of me to be quite hands-on with myself. So she actually said, you know, reach down and have a feel. Can you feel the baby's head? Can you feel anything inside you if you want to do that? And she held a mirror down as well so that, you know, she could have a look and see if there was anything going on. But I couldn't feel anything. She couldn't see anything. It was clear that there was nothing kind of actually actively happening in that area at that point in time. So I got out of the water and I did some walking up and down the stairs. My doula suggested that that might be a way to help the baby move down. So I was moving in kind of like a crab crab dance formation up and down the stairs. Um, It's sort of been a bit of a running joke with um, my husband and my friend Emma actually about crab dancing. Um, And we ended up actually doing some little crab dance pincer moves, which made me laugh a lot, which helped. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. After that, I... Th- I decided that I would really like to try some gas and air. I hadn't had anything up until that point, but it was getting to a point where I really felt like I needed something to take the edge off these kind of, they were really taking my breath away now, the the contractions. So I asked for the gas and air, but I was so nervous about having it. I had read and listened to lots of stories where people had started having gas and air, but actually had found that it had made them really nauseous or they'd thrown up or they'd felt really out of control and it had just been horrible. So I was very nervous about doing it. So I kind of stood up and had my arms around my husband's neck and my doula had her sick bucket right there just in case. And I remember taking that first couple of um, intakes of, of the nitrous oxide and I just remember saying, oh... I think I'm going to like this. This is lovely. And it really was for me. It was amazing. I completely loved it. And it took, it did exactly what I needed it to do. Took the edge off. Um, And sort of, it was, yeah, I just felt like a little bit high, but but I didn't feel out of control. I felt good. So around about that time, um, we decided that it would be a good idea to put some music on and to like have a bit of a dance to get some happy hormones going, you know, a bit of upright movement to help help things progress maybe to encourage baby to come down at this point I still hadn't had any examinations so I didn't know how dilated I was or if I was dilated I just felt like at that point in time that wasn't information that was useful to me because if if I'd not been dilated very far I would have been disappointed and I know lots of people who go from three centimetres to 10 centimetres in an hour. So for me, that information wasn't necessary at that point in time. I had curated this absolutely lovely birth playlist of kind of instrumental bits and very moving orchestral music and things like that. So my husband said, OK, what what would you like to listen to? And he had my phone and he was about to kind of put some music on. And obviously gas and air, exhaustion, whatever it was... 
I just wanted to listen to Miley Cyrus. So he said, are you sure you don't want me to put on your playlist? I said, no, put Miley Cyrus on. So he put Miley Cyrus on and we just had so much fun. We danced and we laughed and we cried and there were some really kind of upbeat songs where we were dancing and there were some really moving songs where I was crying and I've got some amazing photographs of that moment where we are sort of slow dancing and I'm crying and I've got the gas in air in one hand and it was that is just something I will remember forever. It was just the most beautiful moment where it was just two of us in the room and and soon it was going to be three of us and it was just so emotional and I don't know why (laughs) I don't know why it was Miley Cyrus but honestly I can't listen to Miley Cyrus now without crying so thanks Miley anyway things were getting really really intense and I got back in the pool but after an hour or so my perception of time is really rubbish here but after another kind of period of time in the pool I decided that actually maybe being on a bed would be better but on all fours so I walked up the stairs again and there were lots of times where I went to sit on the toilet because I'd heard that sitting on the toilet was a really good position to kind of encourage encourage your baby to come down but none of that was working so I ended up in our guest bedroom on the bed on all fours and I felt like I didn't have the urge to push but I felt like I wanted to try and push because I just wanted to see whether anything was going to happen and so I was trying to push for a little bit and everybody said oh we can see the we can see the effort you're going to put it that way which is a pretty horrible image but um, they said we can see what you know that you're trying but you know nothing is happening here so you know don't feel like you need to do that just go with what your body's telling you to do in the end they actually started to realize I think the gas and air was getting me a bit too loopy so they asked me my midwife asked me if I could do one contraction with the gas and air and one without just to see what the difference was and whether I was more effective in I don't know bringing bringing baby down it didn't really seem to be making much difference and I was at the point then where I had started to doubt things I got to the point where I thought this baby is never ever coming out and it's it's never going to get any better and I can't do this anymore and the gas and air is I need it I need it all the time I, I can't ever stop taking this gas and air so them asking me to do one contraction without it was just unthinkable and at that point we there was this moment everything everything kind of cosmically weirdly happened at the same time so it got to about half seven in the morning half seven eight o'clock in the morning and I think nothing had changed with my labor so nothing had progressed in any way for a couple of hours and it coincided with the sun was coming up and it was a new day and the midwife shift changed so the midwife who had been with us all night left and a new midwife arrived and she was she was just absolutely brilliant I mean breath of fresh air because partly because you know she was well rested um so she turned up and her name was Emma and she was great and actually there was this moment where we all kind of looked at each other and I remember feeling this real sense of I need this I need information now so during a break in, in contractions I was having kind of very short breaks probably about 30 seconds between them 
maybe a minute at most. So I remember turning to my doula and I just said, Kaz, I need you. And she was right there at my face. And I said, I want to know how far dilated I am. I'm starting to not be able to handle this. I've been awake for a really long time. I would love it if I could know how far along I am because if I'm like nine and a half centimetres or 10 centimetres and this is nearly it, I know that I can summon the energy and I can do this and I can push and I can, you know, I I know I can do this. But if you examine me or if my midwife examines me and I'm four or five centimetres, I need to accept the fact that I need help now. So that was completely my decision. And I actually said to my midwife, please, could you examine me? So it wasn't very comfortable, but I lay on my back and she examined me and she said, good news is that you are kind of eight, nearly nine centimetres. So you've done a really good, good amount of work. You're kind of stretchy. We could get you to a nine. Um, But I don't think that that is a head. I think that's a bum. So initially she said, oh, I think I might get somebody to come and give a second opinion. But what we said to her is, well, you look like you've been doing this a long time. Do you think that this baby is breech? And she said, yes, I do. And we said, well, you know, we're not in a position where we want to wait anymore. So if this baby is breech, what does that mean for us? Babies can be born breech. Lots of babies are born breech and home breech birth, you know, absolutely is a thing. But at that stage, I was so, so exhausted. And because I knew that the baby was not coming imminently and possibly was going to be coming in a very different way to the way that I had planned or anticipated, those kind of coping mechanisms weren't helping me cope very well anymore. So I I asked the midwife if we could do a transfer, please, to hospital where somebody could assess me and just kind of check what, what was going on. And then we could make a decision from there about whether it was more pain relief that I needed or a different kind of birth to what I imagined. Actually, it was really, really calm. People who asked me about my birth say, oh my God, oh my goodness, like you had a, this home birth planned and then you had, you had to go to hospital in an ambulance and wasn't it traumatic and terrifying? And the answer is no, because I was the one who was in control. I asked them to examine me. I asked you know, if we could transfer to the hospital, because that's what I wanted to do. They would have supported me either way. I got got kind of, I got changed as best I could in between my contractions coming thick and fast. And I remember kind of hobbling out into the ambulance, semi-naked with possibly neighbours watching. But, you know, at that point, I didn't really care. And actually, that was the hardest part of my labour. All of it was that ride in the ambulance. We were about 30 minutes away from the hospital and the gas and air was on tap which was amazing but it was just it was hard because I had to lie on my back and I hadn't been lying on my back at all it's one of the most painful positions um or was for me anyway during labor yeah so the ambulance ride was tricky and when we got there we were wheeled through pretty much straight away to um have a scan to determine whether baby was actually breached or not we got to the hospital and the scan that we had was pretty quick 
I think. Um, and yep, they confirmed that baby was definitely breach. <laughs> so that was a bit of a curveball that we did not see coming. Um, we obviously had had our 20 week scan and then hadn't had any need for any further scans. And we had had lots and lots of checks with different midwives, all of whom had said that baby was head down and engaged. So obviously my baby just had a very skinny little bum and a skinny little head and you just couldn't tell the difference. One of one of them was engaged. It was just that was his bum. So I was checked again just to see kind of where I was at and not only was I still kind of uh, about nine centimeters now uh, which was great but the baby was very high up so um, it was at a I think it was a negative three station so that's really high it hadn't kind of come down in anywhere near the birth canal at this point so if I did want to have a natural breech birth I did not only did I have to dilate a little bit further but baby was going to have to come down a lot further and I was absolutely exhausted. So I knew that whatever happened, I at this point needed to rest. There was no way that I was going to be able to do this without rest. So I had a chat with, I believe it was the surgeon or um, OBGYN person who was on, on call that day. And he came in and said that, um, I remember being really impressed because he was, well, he was very, very friendly, but he, straight away he said, we can offer you whatever you whatever you want basically if you want to have this baby naturally breached then we can do that we will support you 100% um if you want to have a cesarean birth we will support that as well and i remember just thinking that that was brilliant that they weren't straight away going oh well your baby's breached so you've got to have a cesarean birth what i found really impressive is that he took the time to explain to me that given the fact that i was so close to you know, being fully dilated and all the kind of labour hormones that were in my body um, and everything that I had just worked towards, that actually having a breech natural delivery was the safer option. He didn't immediately throw surgery at me because he was a surgeon. He said, you know, breech birth, natural birth is better in terms of your recovery and generally has better outcomes for babies. Um, so I felt like he really respected the fact that was what I was aiming for. Um, however, he did say that it might be that I would need some instrumental help if baby hadn't come down. So we're talking things like forceps um, and other kind of methods to help baby come out. And that my other option was cesarean birth. And at that moment in time, I can't really explain how I knew, but I just knew that my baby was going to be a cesarean baby at that point. I had actually written in my birth plan all those months, months, months ago that if it came down to it, my two choices for birth were, for me personally, I either wanted to have a completely unmedicated physiological natural birth or I wanted to have a cesarean birth that I had some control over. What I really didn't want, and this has a lot to do with the experience of our miscarriage and some kind of medical PTSD issues that arose after that situation I really didn't want any instruments I didn't want stirrups I didn't want forceps I didn't want any kind of surgical tools that were going to be inserted vaginally or anything like that because some of the experience that I'd had during my loss it would have been very 
triggering for me and it was just not something I wanted to go through so I was really open to completely natural hands-off birth or a cesarean that I could control some elements of and he really understood that I believe that he did take my husband outside and just explain you know do you have you spoken about this before do you think that your wife knows that you know the risks and the benefits of all of these things and Mike was able to say yes you know she's well informed and so they both completely accepted my decision when I said thank you very much for all the benefits and risks of everything but I would very much like to opt for a cesarean birth I have some control over here so that's what we did and that was a very very hard half an hour where I waited for an anaesthetist to be available but eventually the anaesthetist was available having come from another surgery and I remember going into the 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 theatre room and it just didn't look like an operating room it sort of looked like a classroom it was like I couldn't believe that they were about to do an operation in this room that was just yeah it was just like a white classroom desks all sorts of things but yeah it, it was amazing but I remember having the So what ended up happening was I had a spinal block, which is different to an epidural. So rather than having an epidural placed and an anaesthetic being kind of fed through that gradually, so that that can be turned up, that can be turned down in theory. What I had was a spinal block, which is just one injection into the spine, which completely and utterly numbs you. So people who have an epidural may be able to kind of move their toes, things like that, if in some cases... For me, you could have given me, you could have offered me 10 million pounds on the end of the bed and I couldn't have reached for it. Um, I couldn't have wiggled my toes. It was absolute dead weight. So that was an incredibly bizarre feeling. And yeah, it, it that just really took me by surprise of how weird that felt. But they, they put a curtain up and something else that I remember was not being able to have my photographer friend come in the room and that was that was a bit that was the only moment that really caused any sort of stress or pressure in in the birthing process really was was that we knew that Sarah had been in that exact operating room one week prior with a different couple and she had been allowed in and she had taken photographs and it had all been absolutely great but for some reason this birthing team the surgeon the staff involved were not happy to have her in the room So that was a bit upsetting, but, you know, in the moment we just really wanted to get on with it. So we said, fine, not a problem. Um, And one of the surgical team, actually, I I think it was a nurse or a midwife, was really sweet. And she took lots of photos on my husband's phone. So we do have some photos of him being born. So my husband was able to put on my favourite songs. And in a way, it was nice that we were able to control the music that was going to be on because that was something that I really had spent some time thinking about. Something that was really important to my husband was that he was the one who was able to say um, what the sex of the baby was. So I remember they numbed me and they sort of said they were going to crack on with it. And Mike and I looked at each other and sort of tried to bring each other back down to earth a little bit with some of our breathing that we'd learned to do with our hypnobirthing. And we had, we had barely got halfway through one of our breathing exercises when somebody called out oh your baby's born and we just it was just like what it had taken like three minutes not even three minutes it was so fast and Mike stood up and looked over the curtain and straight away said boy 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 it's a boy it's a boy um and I was just well I was kind of out of it to be honest I was completely exhausted but I remember they 
took him over to a little table and they were trying to kind of clean him up a little bit and you know it's obviously just what they do with every standard practice they just take a baby over to the table and do the you know cleaning him up and checking him out and I, I remember being just so thankful for Mike being there because straight away he said don't do that put him on Lucy's chest put him on Lucy's chest now and they were sort of saying oh we're just going to clean him up and, and we're going to do this and do that and Mike said you can do that while he's on her chest and so he he probably only spent 10 seconds over on that table and was immediately put on my chest um and they were able to kind of just check he was fine while he was on me and I do I in that moment I didn't have the words to say bring him to me because I was just in so much shock I think and so having having a partner who really understood what that skin to skin meant to me was just you know I'll I'll be thankful for that forever and so yeah so he was put on my chest straight away and I just remember it was just the most pillowy marshmallowy soft splodge just on me and I don't remember crying I don't remember him crying or anything like that I just know that he was on me and then everything after that's a bit of a blur really I know that baby was given to Mike who kind of did some skin to skin and yeah immediately he he had taken his shirt off and got him all up on his chest as well which was wonderful and then yeah they just wheeled me through to recovery and I was on my own which was they said that that was unusual that the time of day that I'd had my cesarean which it was um 10 to 10 to 12 so in the morning usually apparently the ward would have been full of kind of post-operative recovery people but I was completely on my own which was lovely um and they weighed and measured him after I'd had lots of skin to skin with him and he was he was amazing with when it came to breastfeeding I was really I really really wanted to feed my baby if I could I wanted to do everything in my power and one of the reasons why I'd chosen the doula that I'd chosen is, is that she is a breastfeeding consultant as well so I was kind of waiting for her to be in recovery um to come and meet me as it turned out Mike had been holding the baby on the way back from the surgery and he had actually tried to latch onto Mike he was just so ready for for boob um he then came straight onto my chest properly when I wasn't you know I was sat up in bed and my my boobs were out and he just latched like he knew exactly what he was doing and it was just the easiest thing in the world I had been quite worried about breastfeeding if if I had needed a cesarean birth um I know that it can be a bit trickier sometimes as the the hormones involved in labor can obviously trigger the breastfeeding response and that cesarean birth can sometimes have an impact on baby's um, feeding and body's kind of response to feeding so I was just so so happy that he had he had latched and he was feeding and you know once he was already latched on that was when my doula came into the room and my my photographer came in as well and we were just all together and it was it was just absolutely lovely because my doula was able to look at his latch straight away and say yeah what a champ he was on I didn't need to do anything you know just keep that up and we got some really beautiful photographs of us all in recovery so even though we didn't get those you know professional quality photos of him being born we just have so many amazing pictures of before and after that it just 
it all it all was worth it really in the end yeah so we we stayed in hospital we were then transferred down to the postnatal ward where we were on with I think there were four or five people four or five families I should say um on the ward all kind of just separated by a a wafer thin curtain lots of snoring lots of crying lots of uh noisy bp machines it just was not the environment that i was expecting to be in after i'd had my baby so that was probably one of the harder parts i'd say there was really very little that being in hospital was doing for me i knew that obviously they needed to check that everything was okay with me in terms of my reaction to anesthetic and and things like that but ultimately once my spinal block wore off I was I was no better off in hospital than I was at home and so I asked whether I could be discharged and take pain medication home with me which they they said was okay so I'd had my so baby was born at 10 to 10 to 12 midday and we left the following day at about three o'clock in the afternoon so we were actually only in hospital for just over 24 hours which is really really fast for a cesarean birth I think a lot of people would normally stay two or three nights but I think everything was so good with us and the reason for the cesarean was not that anybody was in any distress nobody needed you know any additional monitoring or anything like that feeding was going really well he was feeding really efficiently and I was doing okay with that so I think we made it really clear that we wanted to go home (laughs) One of the funny things, though, was that because it had been an unexpected transfer from home birth and we'd had an ambulance transfer, we hadn't brought a car. So uh, Mike and I had both gone in the ambulance and neither of us had driven to the hospital. So we didn't have a car. We didn't have a baby seat. We didn't even bring any money. So I had the toast, this like famous toast that you have after you give birth, which, by the way, is rubbish. Um, People say it's the best meal they've ever eaten, but mine was not mine was the dominoes we had when we got home yeah so we didn't have a car we didn't have any money we literally had nothing so thank goodness Mike's brother had recently relocated to I say locally sort of about 40 minutes away he's in devices so we rang him we said please can you go and pick up our car that's got our baby seat already installed in it thankfully so he did that and then he came and collected us which was amazing and yeah that was a very tender sore journey home but yeah, we'd done it. It was absolutely not what I expected. And it did take a little bit of time to come to terms with the fact that I'd had pretty much the opposite birth to what I had envisioned for myself. But I've had a long time to reflect on this now. And I think that when I look back at everything, I had 99% of everything that I wanted. I had a completely spontaneous labour that started on its own. I had a really, really relaxing first early labour stages. I had the people around me that I wanted around me. I felt completely supported. I had all all of my labour was at home, basically, all of my labour. I had a pool, I had twinkly lights, I had the music I wanted, I had the scented candles that I'd chosen... I have never felt more relaxed and more powerful and more in control than I did during all of my labour. And actually the only thing that didn't quite work out the way that I would have loved um, is the method in which he came out. So 
I look back on my birth and it to me was an incredibly positive experience but I think it wasn't because of what happened it was because I chose it and because I was in control of the decisions that I made yeah that's the birth that's the birth of Rufus funnily enough we had we had picked a few names but in the moment when we were in the hospital and really tired um we just knew that that Rufus was the one and yeah we we picked his middle name in the middle of a haze of exhaustion and actually now we absolutely love it so yeah we actually didn't tell anybody that I went into labor we just uh my water's broken we thought or wouldn't it be fun if we didn't tell anyone and we just told people oh hey we've had a baby so we actually video called my mum and dad and my in-laws and friends and people from the hospital bed saying just kind of a regular video call and when they answered there he was on my chest and that was just so special it was a really really lovely way to tell people when they were just sort of expecting a regular call it was nice not it was nice to have we were sort of there in the dead of night and nobody knew that we were having a baby and it was like this amazing secret that we had and the rest of the world was asleep and we were just there in this little bubble doing this work and it was incredible yeah so postpartum wise my kind of postnatal experience has been mixed I I felt very very well supported I had a great you know group of friends that I had made through my pregnancy and our families were incredibly supportive and brilliant but I did feel quite a lot of I think I developed quite bad postnatal anxiety I didn't really ever feel like I had baby blues I didn't feel like I had any sort of warning signs for depression or anything but the anxiety was a lot more intense than I ever thought it could be so I actually I couldn't sleep in the same room as my baby and that felt really like I was really letting him down in some way because you know all the guidelines are sleep in the same room as your baby for six months and I just if he was in the room with me I I was wide awake and that was that so if he had been in the room with me overnight I just would never ever have slept and I could feel myself going a little bit mad so we came up with a really good system and thank goodness for my husband I stayed in the spare room and he slept with Rufus and he would bring him into me whenever he needed a feed and he would take him out again and I just I will never be able to thank him enough for that because it completely transformed me from that point onwards I I was able to get a little bit of rest and that was what I really needed to feel better so that's that's the birth of Rufus and I just love sharing my story with people because I think mine is probably an example of how planning for your birth and making a birth plan it's not about the words that are on your birth plan it's not about you know I I'm definitely going to have this and I'm definitely going to have that it's not about the words on the paper it's about the process that you go through when you are making that birth plan so if you are researching all your options you know okay well what would I have in my best case scenario what would I have if I have to do this what would I have if if I have to have a cesarean birth what would I want for those things and actually I had I had prepared for all of those eventualities even though the one that ended up happening was not the one that I totally totally wanted I felt like I mine is probably an example of why why preparing for your birth properly means that you are less likely to come away feeling like something was taken from you or 
with trauma. I do feel like there was a lot of potential for trauma in our situation, but I feel very fortunate that actually we came away from it with it being a really, really positive experience. And yeah, since since his birth, we you know he's he's nearly two and a half now. We we talk about his birth all the time. We laugh about it. It was just a really, really special memory for both of us. And I'm really excited because I'm hoping that my husband is going to record his version of this birth story just just for me. But I would love to see the discrepancies between our two stories, as I'm sure partners remember things differently. So that is my birth story. Obviously, since his birth, I have begun a career as a doula. And it's just something that I think is so, so valuable having having been on the receiving end of that care myself, I just feel so, so passionate about people having good quality continuity of care, somebody that they know and that they trust. Not everybody has a friend or a sister or a mum that they want to invite into that birth space. So having somebody that's just there for them, that's not there as a medical person, not there as a for their baby, it's there for them and their partner and to support the person that's doing the work, that is just really important to me. So yeah, I do feel like my birth has changed my life in many, many ways. I feel much more open to possibilities of all different things in life, maybe not going the way that I thought that they might and how that might also be okay and what I can learn from that. But also, yeah, it's kind of helped me pick a path for my life and transformed the way that I see my my life going. So I'm really excited to have finally... <laughs> finally sort of said all of this out loud because I have written my birth story but this is the first time I've said it all out loud and I'm sure there are lots of things I've missed out but I think that was pretty much everything I wanted to say and I am really excited to share more and more birth stories with you on this platform because mine went one way somebody else's will go another and there will be people who had beautiful positive experiences and people who feel like they had a traumatic experience and have different reflections on how how they wish that their care had been handled or how things had gone and both stories deserve the same amount of respect and support and love so yeah I'm really looking forward to sharing a huge variety of stories so that if I hope um, you will be able to feel the way that I felt in that learning about birth is only ever going to be a positive thing and you're going to just learn about loads and loads of different experiences and broaden your your mind to the possibilities of, of the way your birth might go or somebody that you're supporting's birth might go but yeah thank you so much for listening i've enjoyed telling this story so much and i can't wait to for you to join me on my next episode bye Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.